Good morning, Impact Church. How's everybody today? Uh, y'all, y'all, there's a few of you in this service, so you got to talk a little louder. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. That sounds great. It is so good to be here with you. Yes, my name is Dave Goff, and uh, we go way back with these guys. Man, it's been it's been years that we've known these these families of this church, and uh, are just so excited to be here with you. This guy right over here, though, we connect real well because we have some of the same style. I like it, man. Looks really good on you, by the way. Uh, but seriously, we are so pumped to be a part of this service. Isn't God good? Amen? He's so good. He's so faithful. And we absolutely love being here with you today. In fact, I did say that word on purpose. I said, we love being here with you because the last two times I've been here, I've flown solo. So this time, I got to bring my lovely bride, Chantel, over here holding Mr. Foster. And uh, 19 years, just celebrated 19 years. All right? That's a big deal. These days, that's a real big deal. Uh, by the way, anybody curious how to, to have a long, healthy marriage? Anybody? Right? Who wants to know a secret? Amazon Prime. Exactly. Um, Amazon Prime. Uh, unlimited shopping, unlimited box breaking down. Exactly. And trying to squeeze them into the trash can. I'm just telling you, it works real well for us. So y'all give it a shot if that works for you. It'd be great. Also, I'm so pumped to have my daughter here, Emma. She's 13. She's beautiful. She's extremely talented. And she has promised not to get married till 35. Is that is that accurate? Okay. Awesome. So uh, but we are so pumped to be here with you. Man, God did some cool stuff first service and uh, believing he's going to do the same this service today. So, so excited about that. I'm excited about the vision of your church. Um, just standing back here during worship, the little table with the t-shirts. By the way, y'all go clear out those shirts today. They need to buy some more, right? So y'all go buy those shirts out. Everything that it's saying on those shirts is just everything that I feel like God's speaking today through this message. I love how he brings things together. Pastor Gabe had shared with me that you guys are in this series, Progress. And I can't think of a better word for the new year or the new decade or honestly just for the church in general. Amen? Aren't you thankful that everything we are called to progress in has already been won and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ? Amen? We got the victory already, right? We just walk out the victory. That's all we do. Every day we choose to walk out his victory in our lives, and it's so exciting to be a part of that. And I just even go this far to say that the blood of Jesus is too big for us to stay stuck. Amen? The blood of Jesus is too powerful. Time is too short. God is too good to stay stuck where you are. So nudge somebody next to you today and say he's definitely talking to you. Would you do that? Awesome. Awesome. Nudge him to say, yep, he's preaching at you today. And uh, in fact, that's kind of funny to me because I've been in church for a long time. And I know this about us. When it comes to talking about progress and changing and becoming better, how many would agree it's always so much easier to know who else the pastor's talking about in that moment than ourselves? You ever sat in a service and thought, man, I wish old Bill was here today. Man, he needs this, you know? Yeah, sorry if Bill's not here today. If there's actually a guy named Bill, because he's going to feel paranoid right now. But you know what I'm saying, right? You're sitting there and you're like, man, I wish they were here. Because, yeah, and the whole time we're not realizing that God just may be talking to me today. Can I just tell you this? He's talking to you today. I promise you this, I don't care how long you've come to church, whether it's your first day or your thousandth time here, it doesn't matter. The Word of God is alive and active. He is speaking today, and I believe that somewhere, somehow, in some passage that we talk about today, there's going to be a word for you today. Will you receive that this morning? 
Amen. Let's just open with a word of prayer and believe that God's going to do that. Let's open our hearts. Father, thank you today that we can come before you and know without doubt, Lord, that you are in this place, that you are here to speak to hearts, to align us with your will and your purpose so that your kingdom can be expanded. God, I thank you that your word is anointed. I pray that my words are anointed as well. Help me to say what needs to be said and not say what doesn't need to be said. Lord, and let every person when we leave this place know we've been in your presence and leave this place ready to do your will. And it's in Jesus' name we all shout it together. Amen. I love it. Amen. That's right. I love it. Yes. I I just think that there's something so powerful about this, that that we we are all called to progress, to make progress, to move forward. And yeah, it's easier to notice somebody else, but I can tell you right now, God has the same plan for your life today. Everybody just say this. I have a part to play in the progress. I have a part to play in the progress. It's up to me and not other people to do what God's called me to do. In fact, the Word tells us that the body has many parts, right? It takes all of us. So, today as we get into the Word, I I want you to know I didn't choose some passage with some perfect person that's got it all together, which, by the way, are very few of those in Scripture, right? I chose a passage of a really obscure person that just doesn't seem to have a whole lot going for him, and I believe it's going to speak to our hearts today. It's about the prophet Amos. Everybody say Amos. In fact, turn to Amos chapter 1 with me, if you will, and in case you're confused, I'm not talking about the cookie guy, famous Amos, right? Did anybody else ever wonder why he got famous? Because those cookies are not that great, right? Y'all with me? (laughs) I don't know what he did, who he paid off, he did something, right? Uh, Amos, he didn't make cookies, but he made progress for Israel. And he's considered a a minor prophet, but not minor in message. It's just his message was shorter than others. But I'm telling you, he's coming today with a word. And we're going to look at his mindset and this message together. And I'm believing God's got something for us. Amen? Amen. Let's look together. Amos chapter 1, verse 1. Reading out of the New Living Translation, doesn't matter. You can use whatever translation you have. It's the same word, but it says this. This message was given to Amos, a shepherd from the town of Tekoa in Judah. He received this message in visions two years before the earthquake when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. This is what he saw and heard. The Lord's voice will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The lush pastures of the shepherds will dry up. The grass on Mount Carmel will wither and die. I almost had a smile on my face reading that because it's so funny. How many would agree? Sometimes we want the good word from the Lord because it's so encouraging. It's so beautiful. And then sometimes it's a word like that. Wow, that's harsh stuff, right? Hey, everything's going to get burned up. Everything's going to get messed up. It's getting ugly in here, right? And Amos's word to Israel was not a pretty word. But it was needed. And this is a picture we see that he's got such a word to say. We're not feeling all the warm and fuzzy feelings right now. But this is a word that was needed to be said. And he's just getting started. And he he wasn't messing around. And neither was God. Because Israel was at a bit of a crossroads in their life. Israel had gone through some stuff, hadn't they? They were called of God. They were exiled. They faced all kinds of obstacles and barriers, but yet God kept showing up and showing up and showing up. And now they get to the season where Israel is at a good place. And it may want to be at a good place in life, right? Maybe you're there right now. 
But Israel was in a really good place in life, and they were loving what was going on. And literally, this was a, a time where they controlled trade routes on either side of the Jordan River all the way to Damascus. So essentially, it was this. Israel had peace and they had prosperity, things looked really good. You could say they were really progressing forward in life. The problem is, their idea of progress wasn't God's idea of progress. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes the very things we think are so good in life are the very things keeping us from the best things of God. I believe that. So often we get sidetracked on different ideas of progress. And they, see, they come to this crossroads, this, this perfect intersection of peace and prosperity. And I'm telling you, it ended with apathy. Israel was at a different place. Times were great, but things weren't good anymore. God sent Amos with a word to him. And, and this is really the picture I want you to get today because I think it's easy to relegate all these things toward guys in Scripture, right? People with books named after them and, and guys with impressive pedigrees. But I, I need you to understand this this morning. If you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to hear, write this down, is that you don't have to be important to do important things. Let me say that one more time. You don't have to be important to do important things. I think so often we look at people like that and think, well, of course God's going to call that guy, right? Of course he's going to do it with them. And we always look negatively toward ourselves. But I'm telling you right now, you don't have to be important. Listen to what he says again. Chapter 1, verse 1, it says, this message was given to Amos, a what? A shepherd from the town of Tekoa in Judah. Now, if we read on down to chapter 7, he kind of explains his background a little bit. Just for context's sake, verse 14 says this. It says, but Amos replied, I'm not a professional prophet. I was never trained to be one. I am just a shepherd. Everybody say, just a shepherd. <laughs> I'm just a shepherd. I take care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord called me away from my flock and told me, go and prophesy to my people in Israel. Can I just even share this this morning? I believe God's going to call somebody away from their flock today. The thing you feel so comfortable with, so good with, he's calling you away from the flock because he's got better things for you. I believe that. Go and prophesy, he says. You don't have to be important to do important things. I, I, you think about Amos. He was a shepherd and a fruit picker. This guy was this country boy down south. This particular area was literally not the cool part of town, right? This was the area that was out in the middle of nowhere, and he was out there by himself doing his thing. This was his family living. This is what he did, and yet God says, I need that guy in, in relative obscurity to come up and say a word that nobody else will say. It's a beautiful picture. It's a picture of grace today. It's the very reason that most of us would push away at the voice of God was the reason God looked to Amos to begin with. I'm telling you, this, this career choice mentioned here is not happenstance. How many would agree that, that everything in Scripture is there for a reason? Right? It's not just by chance that he gives his position in life, that he's a shepherd and a fruit picker. I believe it's there for a reason, and I believe it's to communicate to us that you just don't have to be important to do important things. And I love what he says. He says, I am just a shepherd. You ever felt like a just a before? I'm just a salesman. I'm just a technician. I just work on cars. I just sell Mary Kay. I just stay at home with the kids, right? I, I just, and that word just is almost like your limitation, and it's the thing that's holding you back from the things that God's asking you to do. You with me? 
I know it's hard to say amen there, but I'm just telling you, this is the way it often works because in our minds, we reason why we are not the ones God's calling because it can't make any sense. And listen, you're never going to get to the place, guys, where you feel worthy to do what God's called you to do. You're never going to get to the place where you're like, ha ha, yeah, he's got me now. He knows what I'm worth. You're never going to get there. In fact, if you are there, I really doubt God's going to ask you to do something big. Right? In fact, the word says he opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And it's this place of humility and understanding that you've got nothing to offer. And God's like, ah, finally, I can use that. I can use that. That place where where you just can't do it on your own, right? Praise God. I, I think that we can see so often in Scripture people just like Amos, who had no reason to be called on, but God knew exactly they were the one he could trust. I think so often the enemy would love for us to get so sidetracked, just like Amos, just like his excuses with just being a shepherd. The enemy would want us to get so sidetracked with what we are not that we can't see who we really are. Amen? We can't see who we are or whose we are. Can I tell you who you are today? Praise God. You know, one of my favorite passages, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, says, For it is by grace you've been saved through what? Say it again, y'all. Y'all got to get with me this morning. It's by grace you've been saved through. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest you boast about it. Amen? But he goes, he's basically saying, look, if you could have done it on your own, you'd be bragging about it. But God's looking at you going, you can't even do this. That's why I can use you, right? Then he goes on to tell us what he's going to do. He says, for we are God's, what? His workmanship, his, his handiwork, his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to make progress, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love the passage, too, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that talks about how that we have this treasure this literally this treasury this storehouse of the good things of God this treasure in earthen vessels or jars of clay so that we know the surpassing power is of him and not us are you with me this morning amen isn't that cool that God can take crack pots like you and me and use us to let his glory shine through amen that's exactly who he's looking for so this morning if you're sitting back going I am just this or I am just that I don't have the pedigree I'm not able to do this listen you don't have to be important to do important things this is exactly what God is calling out in you today maybe you felt unknown or obscure I'm telling you, Scripture is so full of person after person that comes from absolute obscurity that God plucked out of nowhere and set them up for his glory. Listen to what this passage, I love this, H.A. Ironside, I love this. He says this about God's plan and our obscurity. I believe we have it on the screen here, yeah. It says, it is ever God's way to prepare his servants in secret. You ever felt that way? Right? Nobody watching, nobody knowing. It's servants in secret for the work they're afterwards to accomplish in public. Moses at the backside of the desert. Gideon on the threshing floor. David with his few sheep out on the hillside. Daniel refusing to be defiled with the king's meat. John the Baptist in the desert. Peter in the fishing boat. Y'all with me this morning? Paul in Arabia. And Amos following the flock and herding cattle out in the wilderness of Tekoa. All alike attest this fact. It is important to observe that only he who has thus learned of God in the school of obscurity is likely to shine in the blaze of publicity. 
So right now, if you're feeling like, man, I got nothing to offer. Nobody knows my name. Nobody. Uh, listen, I'm telling you right now, that sets you up perfectly for God to use today. The, the very thing that you're using to disqualify your being used by God is the very thing God can actually leverage for his glory. Come on, let's give God praise for that today. He knows you. He loves you. He has a plan for you in spite of you. Amen? Praise God for that. You don't have to be important to do important things. You have a part to play in the progress. You know, the funny thing is, is I think we'd be remiss to, to say, to not mention that, that in all of this calling of Amos, it's cool to say, yeah, God called him, etc. But here's the deal. We, we read the end of the story simply because Amos had a choice. God called, but Amos could have done what he wanted to do. Amen? And how often do we sit back with the call of God in our lives, the nudge of God? I know sometimes the call isn't real strong. Sometimes it's a little nudge, right? But we have this nudge in our life, this, this move in our life, and oftentimes we just make the opposite choice. I often wonder how many people miss out because we made the wrong choice. There's grace today. There's grace. That, that call is still there. And, 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 you know, if he didn't answer the call, you know, maybe you're asking, well, what would have happened? I'll, I'll tell you right now, Amos would have known. God would have known. But it's funny how when God calls it, you simply can't shake the burden, can you? Anybody with me this morning? That burden, that feeling, that thing within you, that, that nudge within you that you just can't shake it anymore. There's that thing going on inside of your heart that you just can't shake. God is so faithful that he burdens us for a reason. And I, and I know this because I, I love this particular name, Amos. And it was so cool at, at the first service today. Somebody, a brand new person in your church, been here a couple months, came up to me and he's, his last name was Amos. And he totally knew this and felt like God had revealed this to him too. The name Amos comes from the original word amak, which means burdensome. It means to carry a load. And I often wonder how so often as God's people that we have felt this particular load in our lives, the certain feeling, the certain burden in our hearts, and we don't know why it's there. Can I just encourage you today that God knows why it's there? That it could just be that you think, well, it's nothing, though. It doesn't feel like anything. Maybe you feel called to single moms to encourage them and to bless them. Maybe you feel called to lead a Bible study. You're serving kids' church back here, and all the staff of the church said amen, right? Absolutely. Maybe you feel called to go invite some guys to come sit with you at a coffee shop on a Thursday morning somewhere, right? Simply pouring into them. Can I just tell you right now that those burdens, no matter how small they feel, can actually be huge in the kingdom of God. And if God has placed a burden on your life, chances are there's a reason. And I'll just tell you right now, the reason usually has a name. It's people, right? There are people on the other side of your burden that God is looking to use you to reach. In fact, let me even say it this way. That burden, that thing you have carried, y'all with me, right? That, that thing that's in your heart, that thing that you have carried for so long, your burden might just be someone else's breakthrough. That thing that is, has been weighing you down and bugging your heart for so long and God's faithful enough to keep reminding you of it, that just might be the thing someone else needs to see Jesus Christ. Yeah. So let's give in to the burden. Don't fall for the trap. You're not good enough. Can I just go ahead and tell you something? You're not. <laughs> Amen. I'm not either. There's not a single person in this room that's good enough. 
But that's the beauty of the grace of God, that it's never been about us to begin with. Amen? It's always been about everyone else. You have been burdened for a reason, and so was Amos. Praise God. Your burden, I'll even say it this way, it's going to include other people. It's always including other people. That is the Father's heart, guys. It's always going to include other people. Can I even go as far as saying this? This church is going somewhere, isn't it? Right? You believe that? You believe you're going to outgrow this space and have to add on like 1,400 other services a weekend, right, and hiring all these pastors and stuff? How many just claims that right now, right? Maybe not 14. I don't know, 14. I, don't. I just believe this, though. You're building this church not for yourselves. You're building it for people that hadn't even darkened the door of this church yet, right? What, what am I saying? I'm saying that burden... That burden to come early and set up chairs, that burden to come and play on the worship team or do whatever, that burden has nothing to do with you or the person next to you today. It's always about people, right? Maybe it does have the person next to you, but it's about the kingdom growing, and it's the Father's heart. He is burdening you for other people, amen? And that brings in the issue that Israel was facing. Why did Amos get this word? Man, why did he get this this burden in his life, it's because Israel's at a weird place. Let me give you thought number two, then we'll work it out together. It's being right with God will always include being right with others. I'm going to say it again. Being right with God will always include being right with others. I, I, this, is, this is massive. It was then and it still is today. And I, I just think at a glance, you know, Israel was golden. They were looking so good, man. Prosperity had come. Peace had come. There were no enemies beating down on them anymore. Everybody was seemingly okay. I mean, the, the truth is they were still dabbling in pagan worship and all that, but they did have the, the temple worship going on. They had all the bells and whistles. Everything looked normal, but it was all kind of hollow. Guys, they were just going through the motions, right? Peace, prosperity, but yet going through the motions, and it's funny to me because they're a whole lot like us because sometimes it's easy in those seasons whenever, whenever we're not lacking or we're not under attack and things get real good and easy that we can just kind of get back on our laurels a little bit. Y'all with me today, right? Just kind of go through the motions and suddenly things are out of whack in our lives. Amos lays it out here. Chapter 2, verse 6. This is what the Lord says. The people of Israel have sinned again and again, and I will not let it go unpunished. They sell, what a word, they sell honorable people for silver and poor people for a pair of sandals. They trample helpless people in the dust and shove the oppressed out of the way. These are big words. They're exposing some big issues. And I'm not saying that's just going on here in Paris, Texas, but I can tell you this much, that it's the same concept that we deal with. It's when we are right with God, we're going to be right with our fellow man. With this, this alignment with God is going to help us work and, and serve other people in a better way. And this would be Israel's biggest issue because, listen, how many times had God bailed them out in history? Right? How many times had God come in and helped them when they didn't have any hope or any help? Right? And just rescuing from Egypt and parting the Red Sea and giving manna and quail and water from a rock and time and again routed enemies away from them because of his promise. When they couldn't do for themselves, yet God would show up and do for them. And now, Israel, in a place of prosperity, weren't helping those that couldn't do anything for themselves either. 
They were looking down on their fellow man. They weren't treating them with dignity and respect. And I think it just speaks so much as God in, in chapter 2, verse 9, he starts talking about how, look, I destroyed the Amorites, and, and I destroyed the fruit on their branches. I rescued you so you could have all these things. And yet here's Israel in a place of prosperity, very selfishly focused on themselves. And i got to ask the question, it's almost as if God was saying, after all I've done for you, why can't you do the same for other people? And i got to ask ourselves today, after all, in light of what God's done for you, are you thankful for the mercy he gave to you, amen? When you were broken and destitute, when you had nowhere else to turn, and yet God in his love looked down on you and called you from the pit. I remember the old song back in the day, right? He called me out of the miry clay. That was my life, guys. When I was in a pit and I had nowhere else to go, and God plucked me out of that. In light of his goodness to me, what am I doing for other people? Because I can tell you right now, it's being right with God will lead me to be right with others. And I love as he begins to pile on these, these visions to Amos. He gives him all these, these crazy visions of God's judgment. Things like a bowl of ripe fruit and God standing as, as a judge. And he gives all these visions, but one really gets my attention. And it's this one out of uh, Amos chapter 7, verses 7 through 8. He says this. Then he showed me another vision, the Lord standing beside a wall that had been built using a plumb line. He was using a plumb line to see if it was still straight, and the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? I answered a plumb line, and the Lord replied, I will test my people with this plumb line. I will no longer ignore all their sins. It was this picture of God calling them out. Because see, in other passages, in Isaiah, he talks about how Christ is our plumb line and his righteousness is our plumb line. Anybody ever used one of these before? Some of y'all did. I talked to Dustin. I didn't have one. I, left, I had one at home. Dustin's like, I usually just tie a washer on the end of a string and use that. I'm like, well, that's, that works, doesn't it? Plumb bob. Anybody ever use a plumb bob, right? It sounds so country, man. I used to put bob on anything, anything it's going to sound country, right? Sorry if your name's Bob. Uh, anyway, plumb bob. It's a, it's a remarkable piece of machinery here. I mean, seriously, it's literally a weight on a string. But what it does is it uses gravity. And you can determine in any direction, no matter where you're sitting in this room, you know exactly where center line is, right? Gravity pulls it down. You know how. If this area is correct, then this area is going to be correct. Does that make sense? You can find what's square and what's true. And here's a vision that was given to Amos saying, listen, I'm, I'm a plumb line. This, he's pointing to Christ that this plumb line is off in your lives. And he's basically saying, look, you have a lot of progress right now. You've got a lot of good things going on and prosperity in your life, but you're doing it wrong because what you've built is not built square. It's not built plumb. It's not going to last. In fact, it's time to change some things. Why? Because when we finally get right with God, then we can get right with others. Are you with me today? When things are aligned with God, then suddenly things get aligned with other people. And I'm telling you right now, when we love God most, we're going to love others best. Praise God for that, right? It's this image of what the church should be. Fully cognizant of how good he's been. Fully aware of his grace in my life. Why? Because now I can't wait to pour it out to somebody else. Aligned with him. Aligned with Christ. Plumb line in my life. Being right with God includes being right with others. I, I, I know he's the cornerstone of it all. He's the, the first and the last. He's what sets it all up together. And worship team, as you come on up today, I want to encourage you with this because maybe today you're looking at your life going, man, things are going real well. 
Things look really good. And I'm, I'm telling you, I hope they are. Genuinely, I hope that they are. But I can also tell you this. Oftentimes, if we build something so well, but it's just slightly out of line, it won't stand the test of time. You ever had a house that started having cracks in it? It looks great, man. It's beautiful. But suddenly cracks start forming. Why? Because the foundation was just a little bit off. And we have this picture of God coming to Amos, to the people of Israel, teaching them this, that in the midst of their prosperity, in the midst of everything looking great, God in his love for them literally says this, that it's, that it's God is willing to mess up our present to set up our future. You guys with me today, right? No matter how good it looks, no matter how comfortable it feels, that God loves you enough to say, look, I, I, I love, you got some things right, but look, we got to tear this down again and let's do it right this time. Those relationships that are a little bit strange. Let, let's, let's tear that down. Get back on the bedrock of Christ and rebuild some things. Maybe it's that burden in your life, that thing you've been going through, that you've been pushing off. Listen, let's forget all the stuff you've been building, all the stuff you've been chasing, because Matthew 6.33 says that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right, that plumb line, then all these things will be added to us as well. It's this picture of saying, what needs to be torn down today? so that it could become right again. And he points out this picture, and I love this today because he basically speaks this, and I'm telling you right now, we could get in, man, I didn't share this in the first service, but God begins to speak later on in the book of Amos about how destruction's coming. I'm not speaking that over y'all today at all, guys, but I can tell you right now, if you're not following after Christ, destruction's inevitable, amen? Y'all with me? It's just inevitable. But his love for us is what calls us to examine things. But he begins to speak this to him. And I, I just, I, this is just something I feel real strongly to share today. That he speaks at the end about this calamity that's coming, these, these problems you're going to experience as a nation simply because they got their eyes off God. But then he also speaks in hope. <laughs> I mean, it's so good. He speaks in hope because God will never punish us without first pleading with us. Amen? In his love, he starts pleading with them and calling out to them, getting their attention. And he points to this image of where he says, look, all these negative things are going to happen. And he says, but there comes a time when the reaper will overtake the plowman. Man, that'll preach. I don't know if y'all caught what that means. But he's literally saying, look, you're going to have such harvest coming that you're gathering the goodness that you're, you're, you're going to meet up again with those plowing the fields and those reaping the fields. In other words, you can't contain the blessings that God's bringing. But it only comes by getting this back in line. Then this will get in line again. And he gives the answer. And I love this. Verse Verses 4 through 6 out of chapter 5. Please don't miss this today. It says, Now this is what the Lord says to the family of Israel. This is after all those harsh judgments and those things that were coming. This is what the Lord says to the family of Israel. Come back to me and live. Can we let the simplicity of that just weigh on our hearts for a minute? This is what the Lord says come back to me and live. Don't worship at the pagan altars of Bethel. Don't go to the shrines at Gilgal. Can I add something else in here? Don't push off my voice any longer. Don't push away that burden that I burden with you any longer. Come back to me and find life. 
Don't build these massive shrines to your life and all this prosperity and all this goodness and, and think that that's what life's all about. That stuff doesn't really matter. He's saying, come back to me. Get this right. And then everything else starts adding up. Everything else starts fitting together again. So I'm telling you today, this word is for somebody here. I have a feeling it's for all of us. That maybe this morning, you've been feeling a burden for a long time. That burden might just be someone else's blessing and their breakthrough. Maybe somebody else is waiting for you to step up and do what God's called you to do. And every time God moves in our life, it's so that other people can find freedom. And he's calling us all today <laughs> to that plumb line of his goodness and his mercy. And the whole time we're building these things and pursuing these things, he's like, look, don't forget me. Come to me and find life. Come to me. That's the only place you're ever going to find satisfaction. Come to me. It's the only place you're ever going to see security. Come to me. And Father, today, I just ask that this moment, Lord, would not be wasted. I know it's the noon hour, God, that minds get on lunch and things like that that just, in the, in the scope of eternity, just don't matter that much. I pray that today's the day that we quiet our hearts enough to hear you above the noise of prosperity and progress, that we see what really looks like progress to you. Spirit of God, right now, Lord, as these prayer team members prepare to receive people today, I pray that hearts in this crowd are prepared to encounter you today. Lord, from those that just don't know you, Lord, to those that do know you and, and are called to something more that they're just not moving in yet, Lord, I pray that today is a day of decision all across this room because you have way too much in store for us, God, in store for this community. In this moment, Spirit of God, arrest hearts, speak to lives, Lord. Set us up, Lord, that our alignment comes, that we get back to that, that plumb line. When things are right with you, it's going to be right with others, Lord. Today, I pray that things are set right again in Jesus' name. Can we all stand all across this room this morning? Man, isn't God good? Come on, can we give God a hand clap of praise today? Thank you, Lord. With every head bowed, just for a moment, I'm curious, is there anybody here today, anybody here today, that we're talking this, this idea out about, you know, just, just following after the Lord and maybe just building progress in your life and then realizing it's built on the wrong thing, but you realize today that there's this, this aspect that you're missing, that you've been chasing wrong things. Maybe you didn't even realize it until the Spirit spoke to your heart this morning. But yet right now, alone with His voice in your heart, you're going, yeah, I get it. That I've been chasing the wrong stuff. And that verse speaks so clearly that, that I've got to come back to him and find life. That I've got to come back to him and find what I needed the whole time. And I'm curious this morning, just on the count of three, if it's you, if you, whether it's the first time or the millionth time that you've turned to him, but yet today you say, I really feel right now that, that today is a day of decision, that I am turning to Christ as a center line of alignment in my life. I'm building on him. I'm, I'm recommitting, or maybe it's the first time you've ever done this, that I'm committing my life to Christ today. On the count of three, if that's you, would you just simply raise your hand, and then you can put it right back down. If that's you, one, two, three. Amen. Amen. Several hands raised today. Praise God. Don't you love that he loves you enough to call you where you are? 
He loves you enough that you don't, you don't have to hide out. He's going to find you right where you are. Can we do this as a church family? Right? I'm a, I'm a part of the family today. Let's pray this prayer together. Can we do that? And let's pray it loud and proud. And if you mean this in your heart, whether you raise your hand or not, we're believing today is the day salvation comes to your house. Amen? Believing that. And if you pray this, I want you to come find someone and tell them what you did today and let them pray with you. All right? Let's pray it. Say it out loud. Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. I admit that I've sinned, but I know you're the Savior. Come into my life. Cleanse my heart. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. And from this day forward, with your help, I am all yours. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's give him a praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, it's not about some magic words in a prayer, guys. It's about the posture of your heart. If you meant that, follow up on it. Find someone to pray with. There's people down here right now that are ready to pray with you. And I want to even encourage you this. This morning, if there's a burden on your heart that you've been pushing away, if there's some things in your life that you feel like they're a little bit out of alignment, let's not waste the moment. The Holy Spirit's here. The Holy Spirit is speaking. Can we, right? And maybe you don't want to come to the front. Maybe you just want to grab hands of somebody next to you today. You say, we're not leaving this place today without talking to Jesus, all right? Can we do that? All in agreement. Father, right now across this room, you know every detail of every heart. You know every plan, every dream. And I pray that today is the day we all come into alignment once again. We choose to hear your voice and to follow through in Jesus' precious name. So now as we all come together and we all just spend a few moments with you, do the work that only you can do, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond to him this morning. Would you Would you move this morning? Move, respond, grab somebody by the hand and bring them with you if you have to. But let's take a moment with Jesus today.